Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Okay. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 319. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined now by my uh, by a special guest, Dan Errol. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a really pleasure to be here. It's it's really uh I it's exciting for me to have you here. Uh for those who don't know, Dan, you are a uh youth hockey coach, a hockey uh, hockey development coach, writer, educator. Uh, we can find your work at the coaches site. And I've, I've been a pretty avid reader of your work now for quite some time. So having you here is really, <laughs> that's exciting for me anyway. Well, thank you. I appreciate uh, knowing someone reads my work. <laughs> I understand. Uh, now you meet, you've met the guy. You've met that there guy. You go. <laughs> There's my reader. <laughs> yeah. At least you got one. I don't have any yet. Right. <laughs> so um, for my listeners, uh, this is clearly a Montreal Canadian centric web uh, podcast. Um, and with the team in a rebuild, development is absolutely essential. And it's it's kind of this catch-all phrase. And nobody's really defined it, but for you, in just a basic overall brush, what is development? So development, you know, for me, the way I approach it, because you're right, like you can talk to 10 coaches, and you're going to get 10 answers on development. And uh, I put the emphasis with that development on creating lifelong hockey players. So it isn't about creating the best player. It's creating the best player that person can be, but in a way that they love that game so that, look, I'd like them to play adult hockey. If they're on a beer league, then I've won. Uh, Because if we're really honest, how many of these players are going to make it to the pro level? Look, I hope some of them can find a path to go to college off this. That would be great for them. Uh, And hey, if one of them can figure out how to go pro, that's awesome. But I want to create hockey players that love this game and develop all the way through so that they can continue to play at whatever level they choose, but then continue to want to play because we all know Bantam is that big year where that drop starts and fewer and fewer kids move on. The team gets smaller and that's not healthy for the sport, but it's not healthy for someone who loved the game to burn out from it. And, you know, if it's natural interest, it just leads you away. That's fine. But I want to develop players that uh, are the best version of themselves in and out of the game and then continue on and playing. And so for me, that's, you know, about doing everything age appropriate. So development has, you know, we can get into this probably a little bit more, but, uh, you know, development has all these different elements to it that come with age and at different levels. And so to say, oh, I'm going to develop an eight-year-old the same I'm going to do a 22-year-old is totally different. But there's still development in there. It's still about making them the best they can be and want to continue on that path of playing hockey. Yeah, I I coach youth hockey as well. And 
we build upon specific skills, spending a lot of time on skating habits, and then you build up on that. So by the time you reach possible pro levels or NCAA, you're into the minutia, you're into the smaller details. So, but overall, um, you've defined the success for what you find. And I agree. If someone's willing to play hockey until they're into their sixties and goof off with their friends, I agree. That's a win because that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> so, And out of everybody that I grew up with, only three people ended up playing NHL hockey. So, and that's a lot of people to know. From- yeah. No, that's your batting far higher than I am. but if we were to project out and we're talk about kids that are just about ready to be say drafted to the whl ohl uh nahl because you're down in san diego um the the approach to development changes how does it do that yeah, well, I think, you know, when you're at that level, so now you've got a, a player who's specialized. So, you know, I, I, and I don't, like for USA hockey, they want kids until 15 playing multiple sports before they make that commitment. But at this age that you're talking about now, they've made that commitment. And so you're switching that development a little bit from, okay, we want to keep this person in the sport because now they're here. They've, they've committed. They're doing that work. So, uh, there's some off-ice development that happens there, obviously, and it's keeping them healthy. It's keeping them working out. It's keeping them out of trouble. Uh, but then with that on-ice development, it does become looking at their game and helping them develop into the player or role that best suits them. So that player might be coming up and saying, hey, coach, at Pee Wee, I was our top goal scorer. But you look at them at this age and get ready to be drafted and say, that's not going to get you drafted. But you, that, that grittiness you have and willingness to go into the corners that the way that you're willing to throw bodies around to get that puck and get it in front of the net to the goal scorer is what's going to get you to that next level and working on them to develop that skill and really hone in on it. And I think because every kid has that dream that I'm the center and I'm the goal scorer. And that's not everyone's path. Not everyone's Connor McDavid and not everyone. I can tell you, I have a kid on my team now who's just phenomenal. He look like you watch him now and you're like, next Connor McDavid, but he's 11. He's he puberty is going to change everything about his game uh, and his game's going to develop over time anyway. So you can't, you know, you look at those prodigy stories. They're so rare. So it's about at that age saying, this is the player you are and showing them how to embrace it, how to let go of what they want to be necessarily and who they are and really helping them develop in that role. And yeah, they can aspire to say, look, I want to be more than an enforcer. I want to score goals. Well, great. Let's, let's show you how to do that. But you might not have that ability to go between your legs with the puck every five seconds and spin around. But we can develop those tools that you can use. And that's, you know, a good coach and a good skills coach, that's their job is to come in and pinpoint that and say, this is your strength. Now let's build upon that instead of trying to fit somebody into a box that they don't fit into. How do you approach teaching a new skill to a young teen like that so for me i break it down to the finest points so uh you know over the summer or not even over the summer but during covid you know what so we were all locked away 
I was like, what a great time to start building upon stick handling skills that you can just do at home. And, you know, we were teaching uh, one that we were calling the Datsuk. And it's a, you start with the putt kind of up in front of you and you toe drag it behind you. You push it up in front and then you backhand toe drag it across your body to your backhand for that shot. And so it looks like you're loading up a shot and then you're sliding it to your backhand over here. Look, some kids got that naturally. They watch it once and they just start doing it. But for those that didn't, here's a new skill. All right, I just broke it down. It's a, it's a, it's a four-step system. First, you just need to get that toe drag down. Do it a hundred times until you have it. And then once you have that, do the second part. Then do one and two together. And you know, then you build upon it. There's no different to that with me on the ice. We're on the ice and we're learning a new skill. Whether that's the breakout, whether that's an individual skill, we know what the entire thing looks like, but you just build it in pieces. So we taught we taught our kids coming, you know, when they were a couple of years back, but like coming into squirt out of might. Well, here they are playing half ice. They're not doing a breakout. But now suddenly here you are in squirt. You're 200 feet from the other net. You've got to figure out how to get that puck out of the zone. But you don't just say, here's a bunch of lines. Here's your breakout. Now go do it. It was, here's how you pass to the winger. Here's what them. And then we just practice that part of it. And then another drill, maybe on the other side of the ice, is actually practicing the top. So it's that next pass out. And then you bring it together. Okay. Yeah. And so you're just basically, you're, you're going in squads. You're doing step by step by step. Uh, and how do you... How do you keep them focused on that? Because at that age, they get they tend to get very frustrated very fast. Uh, so it's um we change quickly. So we we realize you're not going to learn the breakout in two practices, and so we do everything in small area games. But we also don't like the drill would never be skate behind the net and pass to the winger and it's over. It's going to be skate behind the net, pass to the winger, and then maybe it's a two on two or a one on one or whatever, you know, whatever. And then we let them play that little game in that area. And so they might be practicing that breakout pass and they're not even really aware. That's just how they're starting the drill. You're getting the puck here. You have to skate behind the net and then you're passing to that person on the boards. They're going to pass up. Now it's a two on two. Now it's this. And now they're going to play until they score. Uh, and they're not even realizing what they're learning. And then maybe two weeks from then to three weeks from then that we have a new drill but it starts very similar. They go up the boards, they pass to that winger, but then they have to skate out and they get a pass and they go all the way down the ice. Uh, but we try to mask everything into small area games. So even now, like we're a, we're a 12U team, every drill is a game. It isn't skate to this cone and stop, skate here. But we bring in all those elements of where we want them to be positionally into this drill. So it's get that, get that puck up the half boards, then make that pass out because I don't want them in the corner. I want them up the boards a bit. We call that the decision-making zone. Get there. But if I was to tell them, we only play the puck on the boards right here, they're just going to skate there every single time. <laughs> like that's, you know, they're, they're kids. They're, they, they, they kind of hyper-lock into what you say. So instead, we all our drills just sort of teach the fundamentals of what we want, just masked into them. And then we, we could talk about it a little bit later and we can say, oh, that we're going to call this decision-making zone. That's where you need to have your head up and looking around. But we don't make that like some necessity and we don't, don't make a drill doesn't A to B. It has to be open-ended. It has to have that decision-making in it and it has to have a game element. It has to be fun. So if they have a chance to score at the end, oh, believe it, they're doing the drill. Uh, if it's just make a pass and it's over, they're bored. They're not going to do that. Their attention's gone and you've lost them. 
Yeah, I find that with the kids that I'm coaching, if, if we make it a competition, mm-hmm. they're in, especially if it's up against their friend. Oh, yeah. Keep score. Any drill, I can find a way to keep score. And I'll be like, all right, this line, keep score. This line, keep score. And the, the score can be so arbitrary. Like, first one to do this gets a point. If you pass it through here, you get a point. And they'll go for it. And they'll, they start getting really hyper competitive. And then you start seeing the intensity pick up because I, you're probably more than aware. Sometimes in practice, you can just feel that they're going slower because they're just, they're just doing the moves right. And so you got to find that little element. What's that thing that's going to make them go harder? Sometimes it's adding that second player who's going to be a back checker or something like that. But oftentimes it's just making it a competition. The losing team has to do 10 push-ups on the ice. Oh, they don't want to be that losing team. Suddenly, <laughs> Annie's <No>. up. <laughs> <laughs> now, for my listeners, they may not you guys may not be aware why I'm going in this direction, but uh let's for instance, uh your your He's he's had issues through the season with little issues with his game and you saw the development coach working with him one-on-one and it's all the same things keeping your head up on a play uh identifying the best passing routes identifying the best shot uh, shot lanes it's not that different from youth hockey it's just it's it's more specialized but it's it's all the same thing it's the game is the game the game's the game it's it's faster that's the thing so yeah uh, now that we've in 12 view, we've introduced video sessions once a week. Uh, and if you've done this, you know, they have to be very short. They can't be long videos because the kid's attention span is, is gone like that. But what keeps their attention is that we use a lot of NHL clips. Yeah, I can pull clips from our games for days and say, you did this well, you did this bad. But more often, it's number one, it gets their attention when you pull teams. So knowing who your favorite teams are in there, you pull like if I have like three or four Chicago fans, I'm pulling Chicago clips because I'm going to have that attention right away. Uh, And then the rest of the room wants to boo them. So they're paying attention. And uh, so that works. But the funniest part is, is that while we're sitting here working on the breakout or a defensive play and where they're making the mistakes, I can watch any NHL game and see the same mistake being made because we're running a lot of the same stuff, just at different speed, maybe a few steps taken out because there's, you know, they can make a lot more passes a lot faster, but their mistakes aren't any different and their successes aren't any different. And so I love to pull those clips out and say, guys, this is what we're working on. Can you tell me what uh, this team did wrong? And they'll say, oh, they brought it right to the corner. Never bring it to the corner. And I'll, yeah, and look, they got trapped. Puck got taken out. Uh, what they do right on this breakout? And they'll say, and I said, what drill does that make you think of? And their hands go up and they're saying, oh, that drill we did on, you know, even today or yeah, or last week. Uh, they start to recognize those plays and it's a great way to engage them in, what they're doing because the like you just said the game is the game they're they're the nhl isn't revolutionizing any way it's played they're just playing it faster and better and our kids all want to be in the nhl right now that's like if you ask anybody on my team that's their dream so that also motivates them they can see oh man that guy's making that mistake too now they're not so hard on themselves but then they see what it looks like successfully and now they have a great idea of what they're trying to accomplish and they love that I think you're highlighting really what uh, really separates good coaches from others. And that's the communication factor and the fact that you're an educator. That's essentially what a coach is. You're teaching these kids specifics on a sport, but it's, you're an educator. Right. Well, you're, you're teaching them a couple of things. I mean, you're number one, you're teaching them the sport that they've said, I want to play. 
you're teaching, they're, they're learning how to master a craft. And that's going to come in handy at school. That's going to come in handy if they do decide to leave hockey and join a different sport or a different avenue altogether. You have to have that discipline to do that work, to research, to listen, to uh, keep trying. Like you have to be allowed to fail every time. Like I hate when I hear coaches yell like, no, you got it wrong. Yeah, that comes, I'm sure that's come out of my mouth more than once, but it's something I try not to do as often as I can, because that makes them afraid to fail at what they're doing. And I, you know, one message I bring out all the time to, to kids, and uh, especially if I'm coaching a team, like maybe helping coach. So uh, a younger team that's kind of developing, sometimes I get asked to come help run a practice. They're having trouble getting the kids to coach. I let them know every time, I want you to fail but I want you to fail at hundred percent. So if I'm watching you do a drill and you fail, but I can tell you are going for it. And that's what I, that's what I want out of you. If I, if I see you fail at this drill and I can tell you're giving me 60%, well, you're failing because you're not trying that I can't accept that you have to fix. But if I see you trying hundred percent, then I'm going to help you fix every little detail to get that right. And that's all I ask of them is to give me everything they've got. They don't have to get it right. They can miss. If I can send them 10 passes, they can miss all 10. If I tell that they are literally trying as hard as they can to catch it, or they're missing that shot, but they're trying, that goes a long way. And so that's that education portion. You've got to allow them to try. You've got to allow them to fail. Um, and at the same time, and, and just to plug the coach's side, but my last article is about creativity and, uh, you know, because here I am talking about the breakout. I'm talking about all this stuff. And then I, I think in the article, I said too, like, if you think you're bringing, if you've watched a 12U game, a 10U game, even a lot of 14U games, and you're like, oh, my team plays this structure, anybody watching it's going to laugh at you and say, what structure? Like, we might try to see little pieces of it, but what you see are kids trying to make the best of the situation out there. And uh, they've got to be creative. So a good teacher also allows their kids to find that space and comfort to be creative, to try those things they've never tried before. Uh, I had a kid try the Michigan this weekend and apologize for it after. It was his first time ever trying it. And he came to the bench, he's like, I'm sorry, coach. And I was like, why are you sorry? And he's like, oh, I, you know, it's a little showy. And I said, you were he behind scored? the net. He didn't, he missed. But he was behind the net and the defensive players were making no attempt to step in on him. They just like watched. And I was like, look, you have to make the decision that you think is right for you at that moment. Is there a better pass to be made? If so, then make that pass. But if you've got two defensemen next to you and they're not moving, but you have no pass, find that way to get that puck in the net. And if that way is the Michigan, cool. If it's a wraparound, great. If it's rimming around the boards and try to get up to the point, that's acceptable as well. But all you did was try to find a creative way to get one more point than they have. And I don't apologize for that. And we won that game quite handedly. And I brought the kids in the locker room after. And instead of actually talking about the win, I talked about don't be afraid to be creative. Like, if you do it at the wrong time, you come to the bench, I'm going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, that was not the right time to, to try that. But that's because they have to learn to look up, keep that head up and say, am I doing the mission because I want to show off? Or is that actually a really great way to attempt a goal right now that could actually help the team? And more power to these players that can find these weird ways to put pucks in the net. I'm all for it. Uh, as long as you're not doing it to be a jerk and to show off that you're so much better and that you're making sure that's the actual option to take. 
or at least one of them. Uh, they're seeing the game different. I'm on the bench. The game looks different yeah. to me. They're seeing the ice differently. I can only ask that they do what they see. And uh, that sparks that. And to, to, to kind of belabor this point a little bit further, uh, one thing I, I haven't said this word once, and I, well, I did actually just now, but I don't talk to my kids about winning. Like, yeah, there's games where you, in a tournament where you're like, hey, we got to win this one to get in. And they're like, okay, but we win a lot of games, but that's not our emphasis. And I think it's because you, de if you, you don't devalue the win, but you don't make it all about you have to win this game. It's, are you going to go out and play your best? Are you going to go out and do this? And if you let, if they trust that process, if they trust in what they've been taught, well, you know, like I, Bill Walsh, maybe the score takes care of itself. It's going to happen. You've just got to do all the things that we've taught you, trust us, and then we'll trust you to go out and do the right thing. And that empowers them to go win their game. And if they lose and they did everything like that they were told, well, then, hey, you're going to lose some games. You don't go undefeated. If you're, if you're going undefeated, you're in the wrong league. Uh, and so, uh, but if, if you can go out and, and lose and doing all those things right, then that lesson there is, hey, I just got to do these harder or better, or this game just wasn't going to go my way no matter what. That team just had it today and we didn't. Yeah. And essentially, the game at any given point is a decision between three options skating, passing, or shooting. That's, that's what it is. And you mentioned the pace and the ability to allow these players to, to fail in their attempts, which I find is very, very important at any level to allow the kids to really just try. And especially if, you're, if they're starting to push their pace a little bit further than they're used to. And we see that NHL players are the same, uh, minor leaguers jumping up to the NHL there's that challenge because at every step it goes a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. So if we, we allow them that option to, as long as they're putting in that effort to fail and then revisit what they've done, you're, you're empowering the player. Right. I, one of my favorite things ever is when a player comes to the bench and I, and I've seen, I see them make a massive mistake on the ice in a game and uh, whether it costs us a goal or not, what, that doesn't matter. It's when they come to the bench and I look over and they go, I know coach, I should have done X. And they just tell me exactly what they wish they had done. And I said, my response to that always is great. You've identified it. Now just go make up for it next time. That's that. Like, I don't need to belabor the point. I don't need to beat them up over it. If they come now, if they come to the bench and, and they sit down and I'm like, you know what happened over there? And they go, no, well, I'm going to tell them. And I'm not going to, you know, you don't want to, you know, there, there's that urge sometimes, and especially in a big game to really let them have it. But do they learn anything when you let them have it? Or do they just understand that an adult's yelling in their face? Uh, yeah. And so, but to say, hey, like you, you took that in the corner, you went to make that pass, but you had your head down and you actually passed it straight to them and they broke it out and and scored. And you go, oh, yeah. And I said, you know, you just got to remember to keep your head up. When you're, when you're getting the puck there, just remember to look up and make sure you have, you know, what stick you're passing it to. And you go, okay, coach. Are they going to go out there and put their head down again? Probably. You don't fix your head down hockey in one game, but it's up here for them. And they weren't beat up about it. So they don't, they, they feel bad enough when they make a mistake. 
you don't need to make them feel worse. You need to give them that next step that they can do to fix it. Or sometimes it's just, hey, why don't you go out there and try to score the next goal then? You want to get that goal back that you know you just allowed? Well, I know you've got it in you to get that puck in the zone and, and bury it. Let's, you know, use use that as your motivation rather than say, you know, what the hell were you thinking out there? How did you let them score? That's just, they're going to go out there the next shift nervous and feeling bad. So they're not going to skate as hard and they're going to make even worse decisions because when you're, I mean, I get an adult league now, if we're losing a game and I get out there and I've, and I've gotten my own head, I play worse if I'm overthinking the game. But if I go out there and it's just a hockey game and I'm just making the next play that I know I'm supposed to make, things go your way. Do you get that goal always? No. But are you more confident that you can? You sure are. Now, the communication with the players, I find, is very, very important, especially when you're going over uh, little plays and what they're missing or what they're doing right so you can reinforce it. But it's the approach to each player uh, kind of tailoring it to each one. How do you approach a player who, say, hogs the puck and doesn't pass enough? Um, So, you know got it can't lie i got a couple of those and i've had some in the past um and they're there you know it's for me i really like to number one like build them up a little like they might be up there they're probably able to hog the puck and which is why they do because usually the puck hogs that can't lose it pretty quick and then all to them that's a different but the ones that really do hold on to it they they try to i like to let them know that they have a whole team around them that trust them and that they should trust and that they don't have to do it all so, you know, especially like I have one I can think of who is when a game is really tight or really important, it gets worse because he just feels that weight of the team on his back and he tries to do too much. And that ends up costing him, but oftentimes it will cost us. And I, you know, when, when we remind him on the bench, you don't have to do it all. We've put you out there with players that you can trust with the puck and who, if you, I know, we know how much this player wants to score, that player wants to score. Well, give that puck up and then go get in a scoring position. Rather than trying to get there with the puck with everyone chasing you, give it up and trust your players to get you there. We want you to score that goal. Maybe maybe it's the goal scorer on your team, but you're trying to get that player to separate from the pack to get open for more chances. And so it's, it's about highlighting how it's actually going to make their game better. Uh you know, if you get to a point, I mean, I can think back into even doing 8U where, you know, you get a couple of players who just won't give it up. They just, they're, you know, and they're the ones that can go all the way around a half ice sheet and then score. And so it's like, how do you correct them when they are scoring? Like you, it's much harder, but it's really about finding that message that's going to resonate, which is usually I'm going to help you get more goals because that puck hog oftentimes isn't scoring a lot because they're all holding it too long. But and also the whole team realizes, wait, I don't have to cover anybody. He's not passing it. And they all just condense on you and take the puck off you. And so, you know, hey, buddy, I want you to score more goals. Here's how you're going to do that. You're not going to do it by holding it for too long. You're going to do, hey, look, you can see it through the neutral zone. Great. Get it in the zone. But then find that teammate and then go get open. And then as soon as it happens, when they make that play, when they get that goal, you have to quickly capitalize on that. They come to the bench and you say, that's exactly what I was talking about. See how you made that extra pass and then you got open. Now you've got a score on the sheet. There you go. That's that's a goal for you. Do that again instead of having to go out there and hog it. And so it's really about training them because 
they're puck hogs because they want to score goals. They want to have that puck, but you've got to teach them there's better ways of getting it. And there's other ways of getting there. Yeah. It's kind of like promoting creativity, getting them to think the game ahead, kind of, you know, what you see, what the openings are, you see where the, where you can go and you, you're guessing on the reaction of the defenders by doing that. You're able to find open spaces and be a little bit more creative. Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, like I, I said, like they draw those players in. So they see that kid. In. I'm like, Hey, now you're all your teammates have been abandoned. Now what better time to move that puck to one of them? I mean, and uh, you know, another great way to do this too. And we do this in video review. I like to highlight the players who get an assist on a goal, but not really. So the player who never touched the puck, but that play doesn't happen without them. Uh, the captain of our team was playing defense in the game. We tried to rotate kids around a little bit. He's on D and we had a really phenomenal goal and he never touched the puck. And, and he came to the bench. I said, that goal is all you. And he was like, I didn't touch the puck. But when we went back to video review, I showed him and the, the, uh, the opposing team had gotten the puck behind the net was skating around. And as they were coming at the boards, they looked up and they saw him in position on defense just i mean he's big he's ready to go he's got a stick down on the ice and the kid tries to reverse right away and loses the puck we steal it slide it to the front of the net goal and i let him know hey if you're so focused on the front of the net and not where the puck is going or the puck could be going you're out of position they don't see you there and they're going to keep going that whole goal happened because he was smart enough to read a play get in position and just hold the line. And then he caused that kid to, to panic, to mess up and lose the puck. We capitalize on it. I said, that goal is so much yours because it doesn't happen without you there. And kids don't get enough recognition on that because their parents pull up the score sheet when they get home and say, no points. The games, there's five players on the ice. Only three, a, a max of three of them can get a point. Uh, and I don't know if youth hockey is any better there, but half the time we don't get assists on our score sheet. I'm like, oh, great. Thanks, ref. You didn't get any of those. Uh, and so I actually go back and rewatch games and look for those things. So I can go back to a kid and say, hey, you might not know this, but you got an assist on that goal. And that was such a beautiful pass. Great job on that. Because, again, they go on the website after a game and look at the stats and they're not accurate. And th they put too much value on those stats. They're, no one's doing plus minus. No one's doing those stats. And so like defenders who very rarely score goals, and if you're not counting assists, very rarely show up on the point sheet, don't feel like they're contributing. And so it's finding those little stories to show them what they're doing to make their team better, makes them feel a part of it, but also really builds on that uh, mentality they have. So when they get the puck, they don't feel the need to hold on to it to find that reason to score so they can get on the sheet. They know they're doing more than that. Which brings me to the parents. Like you mentioned the parents and how they, they emphasize the points. How do, how do you approach the parents when it comes to that aspect or um, their criticism of the, the coaching decisions through the game or, hey, my kid's not getting enough ice time. He's the best player on the ice when he's not. How, how do you approach that? I only coach orphanages. Um, that's... <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Parents are, are, are the trickiest aspect of coaching, I believe. Um, you know, so the truth is, first, I pick, I oftentimes will pick parents before players. Uh, you know, I've been criticized in the past for passing up on one of the best players that our area probably has. 
because the parent I knew wasn't, it was going to be a too long of a season. I'm a volunteer. I've got like, uh, what's getting thrown at me. I need to be able to, to take. And, uh, but with parents to me, it's about listening first, because I will tell you for every parent, let's say for every three parents who've yelled at me about something and they've been wrong, I've had one parent be right. Uh, and so they're not, it's, it's, if you go to the mentality that the parent's always going to be wrong and they're just looking out for their kid, you're going to miss out or lose or lose great players. You're going to lose con connection with great families. Uh, and so it is about listening to them and making sure you actually hear what they're saying. So it might be my kid's not getting enough ice time. And I will sometimes, if I, if I'm perplexed by that, sometimes I'm like, wait, that's 15 tons. You know, I, I record my games. There's live barn. I go back and I'll look uh, and I'll try to count like, okay, like, oh man, did we accidentally short the kid? Did, did my coach who's working the forward door get mad at him and sit him for two shifts? I don't, you know, maybe I didn't, didn't notice that. Uh, and I'll go back. And, you know, sometimes most, most of the time they got just the same number of shifts or I have to remind them, we, well, we took 10 penalties in that game and that really throws off lines. And, you know, we try it, we're trying to make sure everyone has to sit a little bit during this so that people are getting ice time. And I'm really sorry that in that game, he just seemed to take the brunt of it. It wasn't on purpose. And uh, so don't take offense by it. It was just, Hey, we're trying to juggle all these kids and we took a lot of penalties today, or they took a lot of penalties, whatever, whatever works out. Um, but, you know, sometimes, like I say, it's valid. They said, you know, my kid definitely sat a lot or he's only playing with this player and it's, it's visibly not working. And my kid's frustrated and crying in the car. And then sit back and say, oh, well, okay, I don't want my kid, I don't want one of the kids crying in the car. So what change can I make to alleviate that? Is there one? Let's sit down and talk to him. What, what is really upsetting him? He might be telling his dad one thing and me the other. Well, let's find out. And so that's, you know, that's one way of it. And then, you know, parents are just going to second guess everything you do. They're coaching up in the stands. Uh, they yell, shoot, shoot all day long when there's no shot to be taken. Uh, I remind my bench all the time, don't listen for shoot up there. Like if you hear the parent yelling, shoot, only, you know, if it's the right time to shoot or not, not even I do. I can't see what you see. I can, I think I can see what you are. And so uh, I think I know what you're supposed to be doing, but only, you know, uh, and so that's part of it. And then the, the, the other two things that I think are the biggest things and start your season is expectations need to be set right away. What kind of team are you running and what are your goals for that season? Uh, are, are you a coach that rolls lines no matter what? Well, if that's, if that's who you are and that's phenomenal, but let parents know. I don't care what the score is. I'm doing each line goes out after another. I'm not shortening the bench. They just need to know that because then if it's that 2-1 game and it's big and they're like, why is that line going out? Well, it was their turn. And I told you before you joined the team that that's what I was going to do. You can't complain. Uh, and then just communicating, letting them know what's going on. What are you What are you doing? What are you working on? Have that open door where uh, I do say, like, if you, if you would like to talk to me about uh, something I'm doing as a coach, please wait 24 hours after it happens. Give yourself a cool off. If you try to approach me right away, it's not going to go well because uh, you're going to be heated. I'm going to be caught off guard. So I'm going to be coming at you 
defensively when instead if you said, hey, after practice tomorrow, I'd like to talk to you about the game. Great. Well, then you're going to cool off. I'm probably going to have anxiety about it for a little while, not knowing what you want to talk about, but that's fine. We can, we can give up on that. Um, and then uh, have that conversation. But if you have that open communication style, number one, you're going to allow them to uh, know that you're approachable. But second, if you just set those expectations. And so, you know, a great example of this is last season, we made it to the playoffs and we knew we had a hard run in front of us. And we decided to set the expectation that in tough games, we would actually shorten the bench and it wouldn't be preset. We wouldn't, we wouldn't say, oh, that kid's going to be sitting that game. But we said, look, we're, we, went, we went all the way to the state championship. We went right to the finals. And it was the kids that show up and say, I'm giving you 110%. If that score is one nothing in either direction, or we need to hold a lead or, or gain a lead, we're going to pick this kids that have just given us everything they've got that game. If that ends up being all 15, well, that's fantastic. We're going to roll them. But kids are kids. Some show up and they didn't eat. They didn't sleep. They just can't seem to get it right. Like no matter how hard they try, I'm I'm happy to have that conversation on the bench and say, hey, I'm I'm not going to put you out next. This is why. Don't be down about it. Cheer on your teammates, and I'm going to get you back out there as soon as I can. And no kid's ever gotten mad at me on the bench for it. Just the parent after. Uh, yeah. And I've had parents yell at me after we won a championship that their kid didn't play enough. Yet their kid is ear to ear with their gold medal on, holding up that banner. And when I talked to him on the bench, they would tell me, coach, put him out there. Like they knew what they want because they wanted to win that game just as much. And they knew that that maybe that other player was going to be the one to do it for him. And that's part of being a team. But you have to set that expectation. If you just show up to a tournament and start benching kids after you've said, oh, we roll lines. Well, then you're going to piss off parents and then justifiably so. So yeah. it's about setting that goal. And then just, like I said, set the goals, listen to them, and then self-evaluate. You don't have to give them an answer right away. Say, thanks for your input. I'm going to go think about that. And then think, wait, am I being wrong here? And if you truly think no, well, then that's your answer. But I've, I've had times where I've walked away and said, you know what? They're right. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this correctly. I need to fix that. And that's, that's really a, a good way of building a meritocracy as well. It, it it demonstrates to the kids and the parents that hard work is rewarded more so than a, a lucky bounce or production because production comes from the hard work. Right. I, 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 I won't sit a kid who's trying it. He could not score a goal for weeks. If he's out there doing everything right, I'm not going to bench him for the fact the puck's just not going his way. Um, you know, if he's out there giving me 10%, and nothing's going his way. Well, then when it comes time to shorten a bench, well, that 10% is going to come back to get you. But um, but those are also conversations you need to have along the way. You can't just sit there and watch a kid be bad for six months and then say, well, you're benched because you've been bad for six months. And be like, oh, I didn't know I was being, I was bad for six months. <laughs> like you also have to have that conversation along the way with the kid and the parent. Because sometimes there's something, that may, there could be stuff going on at home that you don't know about. And that kid's just not fully there because mom and dad are fighting a lot or they're moving again and they didn't, and maybe they move a lot. Maybe someone in their family's sick. You just don't know what's going on all the time. And so if you don't have that conversation, you can't allow that kid to be their best because 
sometimes you got kids that just got stuff going on at home and you know that they're going to show up and it's going to be tough. And your job isn't to make them the best hockey player that day. It's that they have the most fun they can have because this is the one place that that, that problem isn't happening. And you've got to be able to, to regulate that and know, hey, I'm going to make this kid's day here because when he leaves here, it's not going to be fun. Like what he's going home to isn't great. And I'm going to fix that here. Yeah, it's growing up and even now, for me, hockey's always been a bit of an escape from reality. You go in, it's the world has shrunk down to that 200 by 80 foot surface and you have no other worries, but where that little black disc is. Yeah, no, I've, I, you know, you know, politics abound in our, in our life. And I mean, I, I actually work in politics myself and uh, there's this, like, I don't, I, that to me, that ends at the door. When I walk into that rink, it's gone. I don't care about all that. Because it, it is, that's my escape. The whole outside world ceases to exist and everything happens in that 200 by what, 85. I should know that. Um, <laughs> sheet of ice. Um, <laughs> Depends what rink you're in, I guess. There you go. Um, but I, I want that to, that's, that's for me, but I want that to be for the kids as well. The problems at school end at that door. The problems at home, I, I, well, I mean, I want them to end at that door. I want them to come in and know I'm safe here. I'm going to have as much fun as I can. And that the, the adults that are here that are in charge of me are going to allow that uh, and not make me feel bad about myself. Because the worst thing is that kid that's having trouble at home, you then make him feel worse. And then he goes home feeling just abysmal. Like you don't want that. Uh, and so hockey's got to be so much more than just that sport. I agree. I try and make it as uh, inclusive for the kids as I possibly can. I've got, kids from different backgrounds different uh financial uh, you, know, you know their parents some parents make a lot more than others but you tr what i'm trying to do is just make the kids enjoy the game and that's that's all it is, is at any at any level is to remove the distractions and just distill it down to let's have fun yeah yeah that's all that's that's the best thing we can hope for now, uh, I want to, <laughs> I've had you on here for quite some time. I just want to give you an opportunity to let my readers know where, my listeners as well, know where they can find you and where they can read your work and just just give them a little bit of a, a mini bio. Sure. So uh, the best place to find me, you know, find my writing and write at the coaches site, thecoachessite.com. Uh, I will say it's paywalled. So if you're, if you're a coach and you're not a member, uh, I will, uh, well, I'll, I'll follow with this on Twitter. It's at Dan Arrell, D-A-N-A-R-E-L. If you're not a member and you want to be reach out to me, uh, as a writer there, I get a, a nice little discount code to give out. Uh, I would love to get people on there, uh, not just to read my work, but if you're a coach, uh, look, I, I'm paid to write there, but I'm not an employee. So this is a, <laughs> kind of an unofficial plug, but like I was a member of that site long before I was writing at it. Uh, it's an invaluable coaching resource. So please like go there, learn. There's so many people there to teach. I learn there every day. I'm on that site nonstop. Uh, but that's one of the best places to find me is my writing there. And then the Twitter at Dan Errol. Uh, and then Instagram uh, at Coach Errol. Uh, I mean, those are the places I'm most active. I'm talking hockey. I, I respond to messages. I love like if you are looking for a drill or 
or want to just figure out how to do something different with your team, my inbox is open. Uh, you can DM me. You can find my email on all those sites. Reach out. I love talking hockey. I love talking to coaches. And I love sharing my knowledge and also learning from others. If I've said something that you're like, actually, we do it this way, tell me. There's more than one way to get this done. And I love to learn from other people who have tried things different because, hey, sometimes the way I'm doing it might work, but there's a better option. And I love to figure that out. Well, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. I want to thank you for sharing your experience and your point of view on this. Uh, and I want to wish you the best of luck. Uh, you know, Team USA might win something someday at a World Junior. <laughs> Maybe not too soon, but soon enough. But uh, I feel like it was I really want to thank year. you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, maybe right, well, they we'll won't see. disallow so many goals. We'll see your Habs in the playoffs this year. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. In commercials. <laughs> I should be careful. I don't know. I don't know the Penguins will make it yet. <laughs> Either way. We'll see how we do. Either way. But uh, exactly. No, thank you, you so you much. You guys have a shot. We, we, no, we're, no, we're my in pleasure. the mix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And to my listeners, I want to thank you guys for tuning in, for sending these requests in, talking about different aspects of the game that you want to cover. Uh, it, it helps me pick and chase down these really interesting interviews, with, such as the one with Dan we just finished today. So uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.